Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Glory to God. Good morning. Well, what a pleasure, what a joy it is to be back with you again this morning, and uh, not just to uh, be back, but to be in this presence. Wow, yeah, that, that was wonderful praise and worship. You guys, you guys are smoking. Amen. And the Spirit of the Lord is here. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, glory to God. We celebrated our, you know, um, Independence Day, um, the, you know, anniversary of, the na- of our uh, nation's birth and, uh, last weekend. And, uh, but I tell you, it's Jesus and the Spirit of the Lord that makes that possible. It's Jesus and the Spirit of the Lord that make a, made America possible. Amen. And we get to taste of that liberty every time we come together. Glory to God. We get to enjoy it every day, but we get to experience that freedom in this corporate setting every time we get together. I'll tell you, 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 guys, you guys are blessed. And, and what you have here is not something that should be taken lightly. It's, it's wonderful. I mean, I tell you, you can, you can just sense redemption oozing out of the walls here. Glory to God. Amen. There's a, it's like, it's like uh, you know, you walked into a, a closed room, a garage or something, somebody left the cap off the gas can and those fumes are in the air. I mean, it, it's, like, it's like that here. There's fumes in the air. Just somebody strike a match and we go boom. You know, glory to God. Hallelujah. And so it's so good to be with you. You know, I pastored in uh, Birmingham, Alabama for 30 years, the church that I founded and, and established and built up. And uh, I, there, there's just nothing like being in church on Sunday mornings. And I want to thank Pastor Edwin and uh, Angela for the privilege of being here because it's no light thing for a pastor to give up his own pulpit on Sunday morning. That's a big deal. And I get it. And I understand that. And so thank you so much for allowing me to opportunity to be here and just to worship with you and wow it's awesome praise the lord you know talking about your pastor i, I mentioned this to him yesterday but uh, i'm just gonna brag on him a little bit he uh and he didn't tell me to do this but he, he might not mind but uh he uh he taught a lesson a couple of years ago I, I was in a meeting he was teaching out in california and he taught a lesson on the end times and our authority in the end times I can, I can almost tell you, you know, word for word what he talked about and uh, the, the, the message that he shared. And it was absolutely the best end time message that I have heard in I can't tell you how long, maybe ever. And uh, I didn't tell you this, Pastor, but, you know, I've been all over the world since then and uh, I've preached it. Amen. Amen. You see, one of my ministries is to take something really good and make it great. That's, that's one of the way the Lord uses me, you see. And, that, and, and it was really good what you shared out there. So praise God, I've been doing my part. No, I got that from Marilyn Hickey a number of years ago. Uh, she was speaking, doing a, doing a conference at my church, and we were in the back room one afternoon, and we were just chatting. And I don't know, even know what we were talking about, but somehow or another it led to something that the Lord had shared with me. And I said, yeah, you know, here's what the Lord showed me recently. And I shared that with her. And she said, ooh, Scott, that's good. Now I'm going to take it and make it great. <laughs> so 
I thought if she can, so can I. Praise the Lord. But it's great to be with you today, and I'm looking forward to uh, the balance of this service and then tonight's service. We're just going to have a great day in the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. So, you ready to get into the Word today? We always start with the Word, the Holy Ghost watches over the word to perform it. He confirms the word with signs following. So I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2. And you can uh, find verse 4 there. Glory to God. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 it says, But God, who is rich in mercy... For his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and has raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Finally, verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Praise the Lord. Now, I like to call this, I may have shared this with you before, but it bears repetition. I I call this scripture my turtle on a fence post scripture. You remember me telling you about that? This is where it's found in the Bible. And for those of you that, that uh, weren't here, hadn't heard that, you know that uh, what, what that means is this. If you're driving along down here in High Springs or Gainesville or Orlando, wherever you're from, and you were to see a turtle sitting on a fence post. Now, whatever else you might assume or question, one thing you can know for sure is that he did not get there by himself. Because that turtle was not created, he was not born with the innate ability, the climbing gear, if you will, to get up on top of that fence post. If you saw a cat up there, it wouldn't be any big deal. But a turtle, now that'd be an attention grabber. You'd know that somebody had to help him get there. And this is my turtle on a fence post scripture because God is a master at putting people where they can't get to by themselves. Matter of fact, he delights in that. You know, one of the one of the places where, uh, one, of, one of the things that we understand about faith and notice that faith is a part of this equation, and it is an equation, by grace are you saved through faith. One of the, um, the, the three components to that equation, grace, saved, and faith. Grace came first. Grace is, is, is God's part. Grace is all God. You didn't have anything to do with that. Grace is 100% God. I like to tell the story about a number of years ago, well, 2008, uh, we got this dog that um, became a real part of our, our family. I've always had dogs. I've always been a dog person. But we got this little dog named Lulu. She was a rescue dog. And she um, it was just a mixed breed, nondescript, nothing fancy. But uh, she just got into our hearts. Any of y'all dog people here today? Then, then you know how dogs can get in your heart. And up to that time, I'd always had big dogs, but they'd been outside dogs or basement dogs. But this dog became a lap dog, my first one ever. And she took naps with me, and she slept into bed with me. She, she, did, she did all those things. So anyway, I'm going to make a long story pretty short here. But uh, in 2012, I had gone to the West Coast and uh, t- 
taken her out there, my wife and I, and I have a home out there. So I was, uh, this was around Christmas time, the Christmas season of 2012. So I went back to Birmingham intending to go back out after the first of the year, but I left Lulu out there. And while she was there inside the fence in the care of my, my son and his family, she got out of the fence and evidently got into a pack of coyotes. And they, they really tore her up. They tore her up so bad that we had to put her down. Now, I've never put a dog down before. I'm not saying I wouldn't, but I've always just believed God that my dogs just live out their lives, die, and go to heaven. Amen. You can't prove they don't. And so, so uh, anyway, uh, I was, you know, 2,000 miles away, and I got a call, and they took her to the vet, and the vet was working on her, trying to, trying to fix her up, and said she's just really badly hurt. And she said it's going to cost a lot of money to try to put her back together. I said, look, money is not the issue here, but let me ask you this. What would you do? She said, if it was my dog, I'd put her down just because of the suffering. So I said, okay, I gave the order. And when I did, man, that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And during that time, I, I, I just felt so badly because I felt like I'd let her down. I, I, if, if I hadn't done, if I hadn't left her out there, if I'd have brought her back, everything would have been all right. Anyway, so all, all that. And, and, and when we did that, when I did that, made that decision, this, this, like, this spirit of grief came in. On, on me and my wife. It's just the two of us and uh, at, at our home. And the spirit of grief, Pastor, came in on us. And, and like every time we'd pass each other in the house and look at each other, we'd both burst into tears, you know. And uh, so after about three days of that, I finally said, you know what? I'm not going to live my life this way, grieving over a dog that's in heaven in a better place, right? And so that's right. Everybody say Amen. 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 And so uh, I said, I may not be able to do anything for Lulu, but I can go find another little dog that needs my help, and I can help her. And so I did. I got online. I found this website that connects a whole lot of different rescue agencies, and I, I look, you can look for them by breed. So I looked for a dog that was similar in breed, what I thought she was. She was all mixed, you know, but found a dog that looked <clears throat> similar to her, not exactly, but similar. And of all places, this dog was at a rescue place in San Diego, California. And uh, she'd been rescued off the streets of Tijuana, Mexico. And so I found this dog. I began to correspond with the, with the uh, adoption agency or this adoption, the, the rescue agency. And, and, uh, and uh, anyway, we, we went through all the, <clears throat> all the protocol there and uh, made the decision to adopt her. So we were going to go back out again after the first of the year after, you know, the new year. But uh, this was between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And they had sent me some pictures of her, and I'd talked to them on the phone about, hold her, I'll pick her up in a couple of weeks. And they sent me another picture of her. And in this particular picture, this little dog was sitting in this kennel, outside kennel, concrete slab, you know, fence around, and a, and a concrete block wall here. And other dogs are out there playing, and they're eating, and just about their business. But... The, the little dog that I had agreed to adopt, Pinky is her name, she's leaning up against the wall looking at the camera, squinting like this, like the sun's in her eyes, looking all sad and forlorn and, and lonely. And I said, that's it. I'm not waiting. 
So my wife and I had already made plans to go up to Opryland, Nashville, Tennessee, and see all the ice sculptures and stay up there for a few days, just enjoy the Christmas decorations. We already had reservations, but I said, I don't care. I got a plane ticket, last-minute plane ticket, you know, high price. I called the agency, and I said, hey, can we make this work this week, Thursday, day after tomorrow? They said, you mean this Thursday? I said, yeah. They said, we'll do whatever it takes to make it happen because they had investigated me. See, they want to put their dogs in good homes, and they had investigated me and found out it's a real good home for a dog. <clears throat> Matter of fact, if you, if you get adopted by the webs, you have won the lottery <laughs> if you're a dog because it just doesn't get any better. So anyway, uh, I, I, uh, my wife and I drove to Nashville, about a two-hour drive from Birmingham. I checked her in at the hotel. Then she took me to the airport. I got on an airplane, made the last flight into San Diego that night. I'd already prearranged to pick up the dog, you know, at the cell phone parking lot. I texted when I got there, let them know I was here. My daughter-in-law picked me up at the airport, drove me around to the cell phone lot. And it was mist and rain that night in San Diego. I, I got out. I saw this lady standing there with this little dog. I got out, walked over, and she handed me the dog. And, and she's shaking. She's cold. She's been running around, you know, several uh, for a couple of days now, just getting ready for this transition. And, and, and so I took her in my arm, and when I did, she took her little paws, and she wrapped them around my arm like this. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. And, 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 man, I mean, when she did that, that was it. That sealed the deal, man. So we did the deal. I paid the, the fee, went to the, uh, found a hotel in downtown San Diego, the La Quinta Inn. See, she, she's from Mexico. I wanted to ease her into America. <clears throat> no, I did that because it's a pet-friendly hotel. Checked in, spent the night there. She slept in the bed with me. The next morning, I got up, called a cab, back to the airport, flew back across the country, met my wife in Nashville, and then we drove back home to Birmingham. And from that day to this, Pinky, I, I think probably her name in Mexico was Rosita, and Pinky is, is the English translation. I don't know. By the way, she's legal. She's got all her papers. She's... Amen. <clears throat> so um, so uh, she became a part of the household. And one day I was uh, walking uh, through my kitchen, and the Holy Ghost spoke to me. This was months later, maybe a year later. Holy Ghost spoke to me and he said, do you remember <clears throat> all that you went through to get that dog? I said, boy, I sure do. He said, do you remember how all that last minute expense, sacrifice, you didn't get to see what you wanted to see, you, you, you flew across country, took time, took effort, left home, went out there to get her, uh, money, uh, trouble, uh, all, all that you went through just to get that dog. I said, I remember. He said, does anybody have to tell you not to mistreat her? Not to be mean to her. I said, absolutely not. Matter of fact, anybody tries to be mean to her, they got to come through me. And the, and the Lord said, how much more? When you think about what I did. See, that's, a, that's exactly what happened. God had created Adam and Eve and had, had his home like he wanted it. And then the devil got in there, that stinking coyote. And got, he got in there and, and that was lost to him. And the Lord saw that situation and said, you know, I might not be able to fix it for Adam and Eve, but I can go find some other child that needs my help and I can help them. And so he looked down through the ages and brother, he saw you and he saw you 
and he saw you and he saw you and he saw me and he said, I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to go to the expense. I'm going to go to the trouble. I'm going to leave home. I'm going to move to earth for 33 years. I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to do what it takes. Just so he could raise you up and sit you together in heavenly places in Christ. That's grace. Now, just like that little dog, and I know it's a poor comparison. I certainly don't mean to compare what I did with what the the Lord has done. But you understand that little dog had no way to extricate herself from her condition. On the streets down there in Tijuana, people throwing rocks at her, probably people shooting at her. Uh, all kind of stuff going on. She had no way. And even if she had known how to get out of it, she'd have had no way to contact me. She'd have had no way to bridge that gap. But in, in, in my desire to, 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 to restore something that I had had, I went to all that trouble and all that expense, and I went after her. By grace, Pinky was saved. And by grace, are you saved? And that's 100% God. Nothing you did or could do will affect that part of the equation. What Pinky was, was lost. What she is now is saved. (laughs) But now here's what distinguishes us between the dogs or from the dogs. This scripture says, by grace are you saved through faith. And even, even in the case of the dog, you know, over the years I've adopted many dogs, and some of them have taken to it, whereas some of them have not. There has to be a response even from the dog. Now, Pinky responded well, and now then she owns the house. My wife tells me, she said, that dog works you. She works you. She gets anything she wants, and she does. She sleeps with me. She, she takes naps with me. She eats the best food. I, I, went, and bought, I went and bought a brand new uh, Ford uh, pickup truck the other day. I'm a pickup truck guy. You've got to have a truck, right? Well, some people have Jeeps, but you've you, you got to have a truck. So I went and bought a brand new Ford pickup truck. And uh, in buying it, I, was, I, I, I took into consideration my dogs. Thinking now, is this going to be a good back seat for them to ride in? You know? The decisions that I make, you see, they, they have something to do with. And, and, and so Pinky has done that. She, she's come in and she's, uh, now there were some adaptations that had to take place. She was very frightened when I first got her. Pastor, she was loud noises, she, she'd disappear. Uh, sudden movements, she would cower, you know. But through gentleness, I, I never raised my voice, I never raised a hand to her, I just keep on, kept on being gentle, and now then, she's part of the family. And see, that's the way the Lord is. He's not the one that kicks, he's not the one that throws rocks, he's not the one that shouts at you. He's gentle, he's loving. Because he wants you to be comfortable with him. He wants you to know, hey, You're welcome. But I've had dogs that didn't get it. They didn't make the transition. I remember there was this one dog we had, a little hound. I named her, uh, uh, what did I name her? Peanut. 
And uh, Peanut, I guess she'd just been abused some kind of way, but for, for quite some time, and she lived out her life with me there at my farm, but for quite some time, if you would pet her, she could only take so much of it, and then she'd kind of cower and, and walk away. If you reached out toward her like that to pet her, she'd recoil. Like I, I don't know what had happened to her. I don't know what kind of abuse she'd suffered, but it, it really it messed her up. And uh, I was leaving for the office one day. I opened my front door to walk out. When I did, she was laying there on the, the front mat. And so I reached down to pet her, and when I did, she pulled back like that. And I looked at her, and I said, Peanut! What's the matter with you? You've been with me for a year now. Don't you know you've been accepted in this household? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, yes, and I wish a lot of my children would learn the same thing. And he reminded me of that scripture of how we've been accepted in the beloved. And yet so many people, when the Lord reaches out, they draw back out of fear he's got a stick in his hand or something like that. No, 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 no. When the Lord reaches out for you, he's got something good for you. He's got a pat on the head for you. Glory to God. Can you say amen? amen? By grace through faith are you saved. Now here's, again, this is where we differ a little bit because God's grace, it's all God. The grace is his part. You didn't have anything to do with it. You can't add to or take away from it. But it takes faith to receive it. By grace are you saved through faith. You have to respond to that. Because it will never be forced on you. And even if it was forced on you, it wouldn't, it, it still wouldn't be what you think it would be. Some people think, I wish God would just make it happen. If he did, it wouldn't be what you think it would be. You still wouldn't be comfortable with it. Faith receives what the grace has done. Amen. Now, his grace is available to all. But do all have faith in it? That's the question. But the Lord's desire is to make your life look like this turtle on a fence post so that when people look at you and say, they see what's going on in your life, they say, how'd he do that? I know that guy. I went to school with him. He's not that smart. Not you in particular, you understand. Just (laughs) How'd that happen? Praise the Lord. God wants to make your life look like an, an example to the rest of the world so that they too will respond in faith. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, now go with me to Hebrews chapter 4 for a second. Let's let's look at something else. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 1 says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them... But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Then he talks about entering into the rest of faith of which the Sabbath is a type. Verse 6 says, Seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Now look at verse 7. Again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today... After so long a time, as it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterwards have spoken of another day. Now notice this, that, that seventh verse. I don't know about you, but I kind of, I would read that seventh verse sometimes and, and kind of just kind of gloss over it because it's a little bit wordy. And, you know, it's old English 
phraseology, terminology, and so you, I, I, I don't know, maybe you didn't do this, but for a long time I, I knew it was there. I, I, I generally understood it. But one day the Lord told me to go look at that and see what it's saying. And what he's doing, he's quoting from the book of Psalms. But it says, again, notice what it says in verse 7. Again, he limiteth a certain day. Now, he limits a day. One translation says he specifies a day. Okay? I like that better. God specifies a day. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about mixing faith with the promises of God. It didn't profit them because they didn't mix faith with it. Well, what does it even mean to mix faith with it? I know how to mix flour and eggs together. How do you mix faith with the promise of God? What do you stir it up? How how do you mix faith with it? Well, here's the illustration that I'd like to present to you. We're here in this auditorium. We heard the music a while ago. Beautiful auditorium, wonderful setting, you know, comfortable air conditioning in here. And but even with the even with my voice and even with the voices of the and the instruments of the praise and worship team, that is electronically enhanced. It's amplified so that everybody can hear it in the back just as well as up in the front. And so you've got all these components. And one component that is part of this system, you never see it. It's back there in the sound booth, but it's called a mixer. Also called a, a, a soundboard, other names, but it's called a mixer. And what happens is, what that thing does is, for those of you who've never seen it, all the, all the instruments, all the vocals, everybody has their own mic. These instruments are mic'd. And, and all those cables run into this mixer. And each one of those inputs has its own channel and a potentiometer or a fader on that mixer. And the guy back there in the back is taking all that that's coming in And he is adjusting it to get the perfect mix. Now, how do you know when the mix is right? You know when the mix is right by what's coming out of the speaker. Are you listening to me? Now, there's a lot of things going in. Somebody can even be off key. Somebody could be playing the wrong song up there. But because it's electronic and it's not just going out, you wouldn't necessarily hear it. He could pull that down and only give you what sounds right. And so you know the mix is right by what's coming out of the speaker. Now how do you know if you're mixing faith with the word of God? By what's coming out of your speaker. That's how you mix faith with the word of God. By what comes out, you'll hear a lot of things. There'll be a lot of inputs coming your way. I mean, you're going to have the news media talking to you. You're going to have the circumstances talking to you. You're going to have the world talking to you. You're going to have the devil talking to you. You're going to have the, the, the word and the Holy Ghost talking to you. You mix faith with what God has said by what comes out of your speaker. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's as simple as that. You get it in the music realm. It's that easy when it comes to living our lives. You can't stop these things from coming in, but you can stop them from coming back out your speaker. So pull the faders down on the news and the current events and the things of the day and turn the volume up on the channel that God has plugged into. Mix faith with his word, glory to God.
Now, the Bible says here he limits a certain day. He specifies a certain day. Let's keep on reading. Saying in David, or saying in the Psalms, today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Notice how he keeps punching today, today. And what all this is saying is this. God's, God has specified, where his promises are concerned, God has specified a certain day that they will work. There's really only one day that God's word will work for you. And that's today. It's not about yesterday. And it's not about what's coming tomorrow. It's about today. And so read it like this. God specifies in the psalm, in this scripture he's referring to, he specifies a certain day. And what is that day? Today. The message translation says it like this. God keeps renewing the promise and setting the date as today. So every promise of God, every day when you get up, God hits the reset button. You look at that and you say, I read that yesterday. It doesn't matter. It won't work yesterday. Well, it'll be there tomorrow. It doesn't matter. It won't be there tomorrow because this morning, At 12 o'clock sharp, the Lord pushed the reset button and reset this promise for today. So that you could go to this word and you could find that word and you could mix faith with it and watch it come to pass. Mixing faith with it brings the profit out of it into your life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now I said all that to set you up for this. Notice again. That it says in verse 4, unto us was the gospel preached, verse 2, as well as unto them, but the word preached. The word preached. A lot of times when we say the word, preach the word, we're talking about preach the message or preach the, the sermon or preach the, con, you know, the, the overall context. But today I have a word for you. Just one word. Now it's going to take me several words to get to it, But it's one word that if you'll mix faith with it, glory to God, get ready. Something's going to happen. Go with me to 2 Kings chapter 8. Is this all right? 2 Kings chapter 8. Familiar passage of scripture? Perhaps to many. But there's a word in here I want to call your attention to. I'll start reading here in verse 1, 2 Kings chapter 8. Then spake Elisha unto the woman. I want to stop right there and talk about this woman for just a minute because this woman is one of the, my heroes in the Bible. The Bible, she's mentioned not by name but by uh, event in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews which is that great hall of fame of the people of God, of faith. And uh, this woman, she shows so much... Um, uh, just spiritual sharpness. My, I just, I admire her immensely. I'm so glad that her story's in this Bible because we first find her back over in, uh, uh, well, where, fourth chapter, I believe it is. Second Kings chapter four, where uh, in verse eight, <clears throat> where Elisha passed to, this city of Shunem, and, and you, know, you know, of course, she's known as the Shunemite woman. 
And the Bible says that this woman, when she, she went to her husband, Elisha, Elisha passed to Shunem, and she went to her husband, and she said, I perceive that this is a man of God. Boy, thank God for her perception. I perceive. You see, if you learn to perceive, you can then receive. And that's what she did. I perceive that this is a man of God. So she went to her husband and she said, when he comes to town, we want him here in our house because she understood the value of bringing the man of God and what's on him into her home. She said, let's add on to the house just for him. And so the Bible says that they put an addition on their house. They built this room and in it was a table and a chair and a bed and a candlestick, all these things, so that he could come to Shunem Stay there. That was his room. That was the Elisha suite, see, or the Elisha addition on that home. And it was his any time he came to town. And he said, okay, and he used it. And the Bible says that he moved around there. He slept in that bed. He was comfortable there, you know. Now, how many of you know that a woman that's going to go to the effort of adding a, a, an addition onto her house is not going to furnish it with stick furniture either? I mean, this place, it, it was plush. This chair that the Bible, you, you know, you may think of an old wooden, you know, four-legged chair, but I mean, this was a chair. And this bed, I mean, this was a, ooh, this was a nice place. And so the prophet looked forward to going to Shunem. See, the, 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 the way you prepare determines whether people look forward to coming to your house or to your church or, or wherever. And she rolled out the red carpet because she wanted him there. So she went to all this trouble. And then the Bible says that he's there and he asked his servants, what does this woman want? What's what's she doing all this for? And she she had told him, she said, I don't want anything. Elisha asked her, what do you want? She said, I don't want anything. I'm fine. I just want you here. And then uh, Gehazi said, well, I know she's barren. She doesn't have any children. So Elisha said, well, all right. About this time next year, you're going to have one. And the desire of her heart came. She said, don't mess with me. She said, don't lie to me, man of God. He said, I ain't lying. Sure enough, she had that baby. The Bible says the baby grew up. And then the baby became a young man. And one day he's out working in the field. And he collapsed. Margin, my Bible says sunstroke. I have no idea how they know that. But anyway, he collapsed. Something happened. And he keeled over and died. And instead of rushing to the hospital or rushing to the doctor, She told her servant, she said, go put that boy in that prophet's bed. Mm, There's something in that bed, glory to God, because that prophet's been in. She said, go put that boy in that prophet's bed. And then saddle the ass, and we're going for a ride. And so they rode to Elijah, Elisha, that is, and and, and, and got there, and they they figured out, talked to her, found, found out what was going on, and that boy was raised up from the dead as a result. Now, how many of you think that if she hadn't built that room on that house, first of all, if she hadn't built the room on that house and made a place for the prophet, she'd have never had the son and certainly never had him come back to life. Glory to God. So, all that took place. Now then, we're in 2 Kings chapter 8. Now, here's an interesting side note to all this. Then spake Elisha unto the woman whose son he had restored. Everybody say restored. Son, he had restored to life, saying, Arise, and go thou in thine household, and sojourn wheresoever thou canst sojourn. For the Lord has called for a famine, 
and it shall also come upon the land seven years. And the woman arose and did after the saying of the man of God, and she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. Now, uh, this is an interesting thing, and it it just shows how that there are some things that are going to affect you, not because you've done something wrong, but because other people are doing wrong. The Bible clearly says that, that famine and drought in the nation of Israel was the result of their disobedience and apostasy. If they didn't, if they didn't walk in the light of the word, it cost the nation. It's kind of like our nation. You know, I'm not the one that has messed up. I'm not the one that is responsible for uh, 50 million babies being aborted. I'm not the one who is responsible You're not the one who is responsible for people, for these police officers getting shot. You're not the one who has messed up the economy so bad. And yet at the same time, because we live in this nation, it affects us. Are y'all here or not? And and, and so there are some things, see, that can only be, that, that can only be possessed together. All right. And so the Lord told the prophet and the prophet told the woman because she had an inside track. He said, now listen, there's going to be, a season here, just go survive. Go and dig in. It'll come to an end. And so she did. And she went down to the land of the Philistines. Now when she went to the Philistines, she left everything that she had. She had this beautiful house, all this, you know, whatever her her estate consisted of. It was it was nice. Obviously it was it was the the Ritz-Carlton of Shunem for the prophet to stay there because if he'd had a better offer, he'd have taken it. You understand what I'm saying? And so, so whatever, whatever she had, it was, it was great. It was nice. The Bible says she was a great woman. That doesn't mean she was a great person. It means that she had a lot of stuff. It means she was renowned. It means she was a woman of honor. It means she was, she was uh, you know, a, a, a pillar of society, uh, you know, prominent in the community. And so she had all this and she left it. And when she left it, she lost it. It was gone. Somebody else had moved in, squatters had moved into her house. And even if that's not the case, just think about seven years gone, all of her fields, all of her, all of her, 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 her produce, all, all the agriculture, all that's lost. Seven years worth of seed time and harvest is gone. And now then the famine has come to an end and she returns. And the Bible says in verse 2, I'm sorry, in verse 3, and it came to pass at the end of seven years that the woman returned out of the land of the Philistines and she went forth to cry unto the king for her house and for her land. So you see, it wasn't just a matter of her going back and taking it back over. She She had to get there. The king had something to do with this. The, 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 the president, the governor, she, she had to cry to the king for her house and for her land. Now, while she comes back to do this, notice what's going on. Notice how God sets this up. Verse 4, And the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elisha has done. So here's the scenario. The king and Elisha, the servant of the prophet, they're, they're, they're together. I guess just the two of them. And the king knows Gehazi's relationship with Elisha, and he says, talk to me about what the prophet's done. See, I get that all the time. Everywhere I go in the world, people say, 
uh, tell us stories about Brother Hagin. They knew I was, they knew I was close to Brother Hagin, you know, they, and, and, and they said, T- tell us something about Brother Hagin. Praise the Lord. And so I'll tell them a story about Brother Hagin. And that's what he's doing. T- tell us something about Elijah, Elisha. And Gehazi tells him, and this is what he tells him. Verse 5, it came to pass as he was telling the king how he had restored a dead body to life. Now, what dead body is that? That's the woman we talked about a while ago, her son. So Elisha, I'm sorry, Gehazi is telling the story about Elisha raising up this Shunammite woman's son. It came to pass as he was telling the king how he had restored a dead body to life. That behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life cried to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My Lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son, whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed unto her a certain officer, saying, Restore all that was hers and all the fruits of the field since the day that she left the land, even until now. Glory to God. Now, I want you to see something, particularly in these last two verses, verse 5. I was in Brazil last fall, and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me out of this word. And he said, you go back to, you go back to the States, and you tell them. He said, next year, 2016, 2016 shall be a year of restoration. I came back to the States, you know. I spent a month down there. I'm about to go back and spend another month down there. Uh, in uh, August and September. Great move of God down there in Brazil. And I've, I've been going down there since 2007 and really helping fan the fires and fuel the flames of, of the move of God. Um, but, the, but, but the Lord spoke this to me. So I came back to, to uh, the States. And one of the first meetings I go to in January is Brother Copeland's Minister's Conference, Fort Worth. Every January they hold that. I've been going for as long as they've been doing it. And this year, Brother Copeland said, the Lord told him, he was asking the Lord, what, what, you know, what about next year? And the Lord said, 2016 shall be the great year. Maybe some of y'all heard him say this. Maybe you preach this, I don't know. But he said, the great year. And Brother Copeland said, all right, I, and I waited. Yeah, yeah, the great year of. And the Lord said, you fill in the blank. And so when I came back and I heard that, the Lord had already said to me in the fall of last year, 2016 will be a year of restoration. I just plugged it in. Okay, it'll be a great year of restoration. Or maybe do it like this. It'll be a year of great restoration. That's all right. Either either one of them will work for me. Okay? Now, notice in these verses of Scripture, in verse 5 and verse 6, Notice, and here's what the Lord kind of floated off the page at me that I never had really seen it this clearly before. Notice the way that the word is used. Restored. 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 Three times in, that, in those two verses of Scripture it says restored. 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 And then the next verse says, the king said, restore. Are you listening to me? And the word that I'm bringing you this morning that I want you to mix faith with, that I'm mixing faith with, is the word restore. Restore. Restoration. It's time, we've come into a season, a time for some things to be restored. 
See, we've seen some great things in the past. And I know just talking to your pastor yesterday and today, you know, we, we reminisced over some things and we're, we're, we're starting to see some good things. But, 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 but there, there's some things that need to be restored. There's some things that you're believing for. Whether you've used that word or not, what you're looking for is restoration. And this is a year. 2016, I'm not saying it ends in December. What I'm saying is we've entered a season of restoration. It is the will of God that things be restored. Restored in your life, restored in our churches, restored in America. It's restoration time. I said it's restoration time. It's restoration time. Glory to God. Now, let me show you some things. Let me show you a few things here. Just you, you write these down and you can study them out yourself. But look at a few things that the Bible says has to do with restore. First of all, go to Jeremiah chapter 30. Thank God for the word. You write these things down. Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 17. He said, for I will restore health unto thee. And I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord, because they called thee an outcast, saying, This is Zion, whom no man seek after. I will restore health unto you. 2016, this, we are in a year of God restoring health to his people. Hallelujah. Now, when I say restore, I'm not talking about just getting a little better. I'm talking about putting it back like it's supposed to be. Restore health. God said, I will restore health unto you. And we're seeing it. We're seeing an uptick. We're seeing an increase in healings. We're seeing an increase in miracles. We're seeing an increase in signs and wonders. Glory. Now, now you've got to understand, I've seen some stuff over the years. Maybe some of this I'll talk about tonight. But I've seen some miracles and I've seen some manifestations over you. Your pastor's seen some things. But God is ready. God desires to restore these things to the church. I'll tell you something else is to be restored is manifestations of the Spirit in the, in the local church. Gifts of the Spirit. Restoration of gifts. For too long my people have lingered in the outer court. For too long they've, they've remained outside my presence. But move into the holy place, saith the Lord, and see the glory, and that glory will cause you to be glorified. And that glory will affect you and others around you. So press in, move in. And taste the glory. God wants the gifts of the Spirit restored in the church so that they can be restored in the world. Glory to God. I understand the gifts of the Spirit are not for the church per se, for use on one another, but this is where we see them. This is where we operate in them so that they're not unusual to you. You We were talking last night about pastor's grandmother. And about how the sign, they, they walked in a power of the Spirit back in the early part of the 20th century. They walked in a power of God that has been all but lost to the modern church. We've, 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 we've compromised greatness for the sake of bigness. All church growth talk today is about big churches. Glory to God. God wants great churches. Churches where his spirit's free to move. I, I had the Lord ask me this one time. He said, uh, and not that long ago, and, and this is a, a no-brainer. I mean, it's not like it's revelation, but it just, the way it hit me. The Bible tells us that the church 
is the dwelling place of the Holy Ghost. This is his home. This is his house. Do you understand what I'm saying? The church is the house, the home of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost asked me, he said, if I can't manifest in my own home, where can I manifest? If I can't manifest in my own house, where do you expect me to manifest? I mean, you know, in my house, that's where I'm comfortable. That's where I'm welcome. I mean, that's where I walk around in my underwear. I don't do that at your house, but I do that in my house. You understand? I just get free. And this is the house of the Holy Ghost. It's your house too, because you're the house, the home, the temple of the Holy Ghost. But this is his home, glory to God. And he wants to manifest himself in our midst. (laughs) Hallelujah. And in doing that, restoring his place in the church, you'll see the restoring of health to the people of God. (laughs) (laughs) Glory to God. Look at another one. Look at another one here. Look at something else God wants to restore. Jeremiah chapter 30. Go to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. Now you know, you're students of the word, you know that this is the context, the the text that um, Peter preached on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit was poured out. So this is a Holy Spirit. This is a New Testament. Has a New Testament application. Because Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost when the, the day, the very time the Spirit was poured out and said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Now, this is where he, he came from. It says um, um, in verse 28, this is the verse that he quoted, but I want you to back up in this, in this context and understand they understood the context of what Peter was saying, what the Holy Ghost was saying. Now notice it, verse 23. Be glad then, ye children of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God. For he's given you the former rain moderately and he'll cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, the latter rain in the first month. That's what was happening on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit poured out. Rain was a type of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost was poured out on the day of Pentecost. Now look at this, verse 24. Here's what happens when the rains come together and the outpouring takes place. And the floors shall be full of wheat and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. Now look at verse 25. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, and so on. I will restore, and you shall eat in plenty, verse 26, and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God. Notice that I'll restore to you the years that the worms have eaten, the locusts, the caterpillars, and all that. Now, there's a twofold application of this to me, maybe even more than this, but we understand when he says I'll restore the years to you, he's talking about harvests. Israel was an agrarian society. And they lived for the harvest. They planted and they reaped. And the fruits that they, that they reaped, that's what they lived on. That's, that, that was their livelihood, all right? And so when he says the years, you understand there's a harvest application to it. Well, you know, even farmers talk this way. Well, what's this year looking like? Oh, this is going to be a good year. What they're talking about is harvest. They're talking about there's going to be a lot of fruit, a lot of productivity, see? And so if the rain doesn't come, then there's not going to be any harvest. If the locusts come in, then it eats the harvest. If the caterpillars get in there, it destroys the vines and the the, the harvest is compromised. The Lord said, when the rains come, 
When the Holy Ghost is poured out, I'll restore to you the years, the harvest that the locust has eaten. Now, I don't know about you, but I've experienced some lean years. I know that's right too. I've experienced some lean years. Hadn't been my fault. I kept sowing. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not in bad shape. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that because of some things that have gone on in our nation and in the world, there's been some, some things that hadn't turned out quite like they should have. Are y'all here? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Praise the Lord. I mean, God sustained me. I'm doing good. Not complaining. I just want everything that God has for me. I don't, want, I don't want to leave anything on the table if it's been bought and paid for and it's mine. You understand what I'm saying? And, and one, of the, one of the promises of God is that you will, you, you, one, of the, one of the curses is you'll sow much and reap little. So the promise, the blessing is that my seed produces, right? And yet there's been some lean years. But the Lord said, I'll restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. I'll restore to you the years that have been swallowed up, the harvest, glory to God. I'm telling you when restoration takes place, I'm talking about Holy Ghost restoration, it's payback time, glory to God. It's payback time. That's what happened to this woman in 2 Kings 8. That's what happened to her. She went in there and cried out for her, for her restoration. And the Bible says, the king said, restore everything that was hurt. Even the harvest of the last seven years. Glory to God. Give it all back to her. Now there's another application to this. I believe that because he is God, my father is God. Because Jesus is Lord, not just of the church, but of the universe. Even time submits to God. Even time is something that God uses. And I'm watching God do this. Some of the bad stuff, some of the some of the some of the pain, some of the suffering, some of the some of the some of the, the, the unnecessary and ungodly things that God's people have been, been put through for one reason or another. Glory to God that leaves such a bad taste in your mouth and you think, man, oh Lord Jesus. God has ways of taking time and just erasing it. I was talking, I was talking to a lady not long ago. She said her, her, her husband had, had gone to prison for something he didn't even do. But he'd gone to prison, just got a foul of the law. Ministry situation. He'd gone to prison. And they, but they just stood before God and they just continued to believe God and thank God and they walked through it and he came out of prison. Now his boys were small. And for four years, they were, they were without their dad. Others stepped in to help, but he came back, plugged right back in. God blessed the whole time as best he could, but God began to restore. About two weeks after he came back home, his mother was taking her son to school. And she said, boy, it sure is good to have dad back in the house, isn't it? And the little boy said he was about, I don't know, about 10 years old at the time, 11, something like that. Sure is good to have dad back in the house. He said, boy, it sure is, mom. He said, you know, it's like he never was even gone. God has ways of taking even years, the, length, the, the periods of time 
that have been painful and hurtful and unpleasant and just wiping them out. That even the memory of it, it's gone. And then I'll tell you something else, brother. If we'll believe him for it, he'll add some more years on to the end of our life. (laughs) Glory to God. And the latter days will be greater than that of the former. (laughs) Restoration. 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 It's restoration time. Everybody say restoration. (laughs) Glory to God. Now look at this one. Go with me to Psalm chapter 23. You, You know this verse of scripture. Psalm 23. A lot of times we don't think about it. Time to think about it. God didn't put it in there just for the Sunday school. This is a real deal. Psalm chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Is he your shepherd? This is the reason some people struggle because they don't have a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Verse 3, he restoreth my soul. Oh, glory. He restores my soul. Now, what's your soul? Well, that's right. Your soul is your mind. Your soul is your intellect. Glory to God. I mean, you you, you got a promise right here of, uh, of, of restoration from Alzheimer's, restoration from dementia. Glory to God. I'll tell you, I mean, glory to God, you don't have to lose it just because you get old and gray. Do you, brother? That's right. Glory to God. You may not be old, but you're gray. <clears throat> he restores my soul. But, but there's something else here. Because, you know, we're a teaching church and we understand that. A lot of time we get technical about it. Spirit, soul, body. Yeah, that's fine. So, but this word soul is really, it, it's not... The context of it is not about that. It's not about your mind. It's used, this word is used like we use the word on a ship's manifest or a plane manifest. When, when I fill out a, a flight plan, <clears throat> there's a little box and, and the question, that you, you fill in the number, how many souls on board? Yeah. And you've heard that, that, that before, you know. Uh, how many souls on board? Um, and he's not talking about how many minds are on board. A soul represents the entire life. It, it represents the living being. So when it says he restores my soul, what really in the fullest sense of the word he's talking about is he restores my life. He restores my life and everything associated with it. Glory to God. Amen. Not just my mind. I mean, fine, use it for your mind. But he, he restores my peace. He restores my stability. He restores my self-confidence. He restores my ability to learn, my ability to understand. He restores glory to God. It has the meaning of one's entire life. He restores my children. There is restoration taking place right now as we speak of families. 2016, there's going to be some families restored. Children are coming back to God and children are coming back to you, glory to God. Estrangements, distances are being dealt with and restoration is taking place. (laughs) Praise God. Some of you have labored over the family members, children, grandchildren. Lord, 
You said in your word, train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old he won't depart from it. But I say to you today, the Lord wants me to tell you, a detour is not a departure. They've taken a detour, but it's not a departure. God will restore them back on track. Glory to God. He restores my life. He restores my money. He restores my harvest. He restores my health. He restores my honor. He restores my reputation. Don't worry about it. Don't care what people think. Just know that restoration is vindication. Glory to God. Some of you, some of us have taken it on the chin. Some of us have been trashed and some of us have been accused wrongly. But it's restoration time. It's restoration time. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Look at one more. Go over here to Psalm chapter 51. And maybe this is where it begins. Psalm chapter 51. Notice what it says in verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. God is restoring. And you know, we're, we saw it this morning. God, there is a restoration of joy. A restoration of joy taking place. I'm talking about the joy of salvation. I'm not talking about something put on, worked up, just okay, it's music time, so it's time to jump a little bit. I'm talking about the joy of being saved, the joy of being a believer. Satan has been after that for the past number of years. He's, he's always been after it. I understand that. But there's been a concerted effort. There's been some real attacks against the body of Christ to try to strip you of the joy. I read something the other day, Pastor. It said that the way that the, you know, the spirit of Antichrist is, is ruling and reigning in Washington and ruling and reigning in the state governments. It's the spirit of Antichrist. And because of that, when you look at things on a national level from a news perspective, a secular perspective, there's a lot of junk out there. And I saw somebody refer to Christianity as the new secondhand smoke. Isn't that something? The new secondhand smoke. In other words, I don't smoke, but you smoking bothers me. See? I'm not a Christian, but you being a Christian, that's offensive to me. Well, get over it. You're just going to have to get over it because you haven't seen anything yet. Wait till, wait till the world sees restoration in the body of Christ. Wait till the world sees the restoration of God that we're talking about here. Are y'all here or not? Then you ain't going to be no, there's not going to be no secondhand smoke. You're going to be a smoker. We're going to get you hooked. Glory to God. Restore unto me the joy of salvation. Praise the Lord. Most joyous thing in the world to be a child of God. Because now then I'm a turtle on a fence post, brother. (laughs) Woo! Praise the Lord. And so we'll close with this. Go with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 42. That's what God says. That's the will of God. That's what God desires to do. Now here's our part. Isaiah chapter 42, 
Verse 21 says, The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness' sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. But this is a people robbed and spoiled. They are all of them snared in holes, and they are hid in prison houses. They are for a prey, and none delivereth. For a spoil, and none saith, Restore. What God needs from us is to believe him for restoration, to mix faith with this word, restore. That's our assignment. I was sitting in, that, in, in, the, in the meeting in, uh, in January that I mentioned. The Lord spoke to me last year and said 2016 will be a year of restoration. And then I was in the minister's conference in January. I think it was Brother Copeland ministering to somebody, but I think it was him. He wasn't even talking about this. Wasn't talking about anything in particular, but it's just the atmosphere. You know how you, you, you get into an atmosphere and you hear from the Lord. And sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you just have to pull away and get quiet and listen. The Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. The Lord sits still. He, he, he's raised us up and seated us together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Well, sit there. And sit still. That's, that's where you're going to find the victory. Y'all all respect Brother Ed Dufresne. We loved him, you know. And know he was a, a fixture at this church. Everybody, you know, received from him. Your pastor had a special relationship with him. I did too. He was a good friend of mine. One day, he was in, we were both in Temecula where his home is. He had to preach in, uh, one of us was in Merced and the other one was in Modesto up in Northern California. I forget which one's the furthest north. But uh, he was going up to preach on a Wednesday night. I was going up to preach on a Wednesday night, these two cities. And I, 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 we were talking, and I said, hey, I'll tell you what, uh, well in advance, not this day, but I'd, we'd already arranged. How about letting me fly up with you, and, I'll, and, and drop me off, and then you go to your meeting, finish your meeting, come back, pick me up, and we'll both come back home sleep in our own bed. He said, sure, glad to do it. So we flew up there. Now, normally... You know, when I'm flying, I fly up front. I like to I like to pilot the thing. But this day, he had his pilots, Mitch and another guy were up there flying, so I sat there in the back with him. And normally, I, you know, you're busy, so I'm, I'm back there. We're just talking face-to-face, you know, the uh, club seating, and you're face-to-face with each other. We got to talking. And I'm looking out the window and watching the ground get further and further away as we climb out, you know, probably... 15,000 feet, we're looking down, you know, climbing up to flight levels. And looked out the door, uh, window and I said, man, everything sure does look small from up here, doesn't it? Ed said, yeah, it sure does. He said, one thing about it, the bill collectors can't get to you up here, can they? <laughs> I said, no, you're absolutely right. And then I rem- remembered something that the Lord had said to me years before. And I told him, I said, yes, like the Lord told me one time. When you sit where God sits, you see what God sees. And Brother Ed's sitting back there. You know, he was, he was short anyway. And he got up and he just danced around in that, in that little airplane like that. I can still see him just round in circles like this. Woo! Sitting where God sits, seeing what God sees. He's raised us up and seated us in that place. Now that's where restoration is going to take place. Stay in that seat. Don't come out of that seat. Because then it's all under your feet. But I was back there in, in January. And, and in the meeting, and the Lord had already told me 2016 is a year of restoration. And I said, great, I'm ready. And then the Lord said to me in January, he said, I'm going to make you an example of restoration. He said, 
I'm asking you to believe for it. And in saying that, I caught what he was after. I caught what, where he was going with that. It's one thing for the Lord to want to do it for us, but we have to mix faith with it. He said, I'm asking you. He didn't say, I demand it. I'll kill you if you don't. He said, I'm asking you to believe for it because he needs me to believe for it. How do I believe for it? Well, I mix faith with it. How do I mix faith with it? Well, that scripture says that they're in prison houses. They're in bondage. They're oppressed because nobody's saying restore. Isn't that what Isaiah said? And none saith restore. So I begin to declare restore. Restore. I'm believing God for restoration. What about you? How many of you got room for restoration in your life? How many of you want to see some harvest restored? Some children restored? Some health restored? Some souls restored? Some, some, some circumstances restored? Glory to God. Turned around. Glory to God. Then shout restore. 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 That Shunammite woman. See, that Shunammite woman, obviously it was the will of God that it happened because it happened. But nothing happened until she went back and cried out. Give it back. Restore. Glory to God. And God already had that prophet telling the story and he already had things set up in, already in position in the secular world. The king. We're talking about the king. I'm talking about the king of Israel. He's already primed. His pump is primed. He's just been hearing about this. Marveling. My God, you mean that boy was raised up from the dead? Yeah. About that time he hears, hey! Everybody turns around to look. Gehazi says, my Lord, O king, this is the woman. What woman? The woman I was just telling you about. King says, are you the woman? Yeah. Did it happen like it, like it happened? Yeah. Give this woman back everything that belonged to her. Glory to God. Restore to her these harvests. Restore her land. Restore her houses. Restore all that was hers. Glory to God. And I hear the voice of the Lord today saying, it's restoration time. It's time for you to get it back. And it's time for you to be in the position you should have been in. Glory to God. And all he needs is us to believe for it. So we cry, restore. 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 Everybody shout, it's restoration time. Everybody shout, I'm being restored. I'm being restored. My family's being restored. My business is being restored. Come on, shout it out. My health is being restored. Lift up your voice and shout it out. My health is being restored. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Father. Let's give him glory. Let's give him praise. Thank you, Lord, for restoration. Thank you for restoring the joy, the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestations. Hallelujah. Oh, my, 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 my. My, 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 my. Oh, glory, glory, glory. I don't know if you can see it, but the glory's here. I started seeing this several years ago in, my, in services. Not every service, but more and more I see it. The glory hanging over our heads. 
like a cloud. If you look up, I see it. It's like, it's like cigarette smoke in the air or something. But it's the glory of God. He's here. He so desires to restore. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Make restoration a part of your vocabulary. Begin to stand before the Lord and say, restore. Begin to, in your prayer, begin to operate in that, in that awareness of restoration. It's restoration time. But just because it's time doesn't mean it will automatically happen. We have to mix faith with that. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be God. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I know this is Sunday morning, but praise the Lord. The glory's here. <laughs> the glory's here. My, my, my. Reach up and receive this morning. Just reach up and receive. It's not about emotion. It's not about hype. It's not about just, you know, getting worked up. It's about the glory of God and His ability, His might, His power in our life. Father, we thank You this morning. Thank you for what, with this wonderful church and what you're doing in it. And thank you that, yeah, I hear you, I hear you. The word of the Lord just came to me and said, this church shall be an example of restoration. This church shall manifest the restoring power of the Holy Ghost because this church has never deviated and never departed from its Pentecostal underpinnings and foundation. Or you see, it's the work of the Spirit. It's not, not about the letter. It's about the Spirit and the Word. And because this church has never compromised, and your pastors have never compromised along these lines, then <laughs> the, the glory shall truly be in manifestation. And the restorations and the testimonies thereof shall begin to multiply and snowball and gain great momentum. So, Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in our church this year. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives this year, and thank you for what you're doing in our nation this year. We pray, Lord, we declare that that restoration will extend to the whole nation the great United States of America. But we understand that first it begins in the church. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Father, we praise you. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.